Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. And so we're going to talk about relationships. Talking about relationships. I'm in part two, uh, really just kind of moving on with, with the, we, we had an introduction and kind of just laid out some of the things we're going to be talking about. We had um, Dr. Choi here last week talking about prayer, talking about, and I really, more than anything, I wanted Dr. Choi to just impart. I wanted you to see him. I just wanted you to see, here's a man that's out there in the community. He's a doctor, well, well-received. He's a person that is, is, you know, full-time. It's his vocation to do what he does. And yet he takes a lot of his life and he pours it back into the local church and how he serves others and how God has just blessed him from top to bottom because of his decisions to do that and how he walks in his personal relationship with God and brings that right into his vocation. I wanted you to see that. And so we're going to keep talking about that today and pushing on and just talking about our relationship with God and why that is so important to everything, okay? Everything. And we're going to keep talking about relationships with people and, but I want you to see that these, these are not separated, <laughs> not, not at all. A relationship with God helps us to relate to one another, as a matter of fact, as a complete matter of fact. Without the balance of what I'm going to share with you today, I think we were not able to, to find the deepest kind of life-enriching relationships that we could have, okay? God is the one who created us. He created us to be relational people. And if he created us to be relational people, it makes complete sense that when we connect with him, he'll teach us how to be the best relational person we can be. So let's talk about having a balanced relationship with God. Okay, the Trinity. You've heard that word before, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's always been a challenging doctrine, that's for sure, to explain. Truth is, it's impossible to explain completely. And a lot, you know, I've heard people say, well, that's for the reason why I don't believe in God is this whole Trinity thing. Well, it's because, yeah, when discussing it in theology, the best we can do is give analogies that can sometimes do more harm than good, more damage than good. I remember one in, in Bible college, they talked about that God is like water, you know, he's vapor, he's water, he's ice, all the same water, you know, existing in three different uh, states. But on the other hand, it's just like, but then that dehumanizes God and, or depersonalizes God, and so it, it doesn't really work. So the best we can do is grapple with what the Bible clearly shows us and what it says. What we learn is they have this thing called paradox or antinomy, two truths that exist at the same time, and in this case, three different truths that all exist. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit. They all exist at the same time, but for our, our finite brains, we can't, we can't completely understand it. We can't. But we don't ignore it. We don't flush it because of that. We keep moving forward. One of the examples in Scripture that you can find there in Mark chapter 1, it says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Okay, human being, he's a man, and he's walking. He was getting ready to be baptized by John in the water in, in, uh, for baptism to essentially his coronation into his kingship, coming into his ministry. And Je just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven torn open. I, I thought that was a cool uh, word there, cool, just torn open. And the spirit descending on him like a dove, 
I didn't say it, he was a dove, okay? So the Holy Spirit's not a dove. It was like a dove. I need to make sure we catch that. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With, with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was the wild animals and the angels attended him. I want to just point out some really key things here. All three persons are showing up at the same time. Okay, so you have Jesus who is being baptized in water. Heaven's torn open, and the Holy Spirit, while Jesus is right, I mean, Jesus doesn't disappear and become the Holy Spirit, and then it comes down. No, here, okay, so now we've got two persons. And you notice it says, and he led him. Personality, pronouns, it's person. Jesus, the person, Holy Spirit, the person coming down like a dove. And then we have a third person show up, the voice of the Father. And so now Jesus is not casting his voice. This is my son in whom I wait. He's not doing that. This is God the Father now speaking. A famous section of Scripture, a very important, critical section of Scripture that shows all three persons existing, functioning, bringing forth the purpose, providential plan of God all at the same time here. How does it happen? I don't know. Wish I could tell you. But how, so the, how do we respond to this? Well, folks, let me just tell you. Why, why I feel like this is so important when we talk about relationships is that we have three persons that we're called, and if there's ever a person, his name is God, and we're called to relate to that person. And how do we relate to them? That's, that, that's important. And, and, and I don't know if you've, I've even heard this taught before. To be honest with you, I mean, I think God is really leading me into something fresh and new here. Because I really believe that in my own life, relating to God as he is, who he is, in fullness, is critical to me understanding who God is overall. Okay? And I, I hope to do my best as I motor here to help you see that this morning. And, and of course, there's going to be a lot here, and you can do study on your own, but... As I said in our introduction, I believe our relationship with God is, is not complete until we know God in all three persons. Each person has a unique and critical part of our understanding of who God is, what he does, and what that means to me, what that means to you. Okay, so let's jump right in. God the Father, you can read in Psalm 103, how David related, how he, he, he connected with God the Father. And the whole Old Testament, again, of course, is, is man relating with God the Father, but, but we get shadows of the Son. We get, we get foreshadowing, or typology, as is, 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 is it's called, prophetic glimpses ahead of the Messiah coming. And, of course, the Holy Spirit's there as well. But the Holy Spirit functions differently. We'll get into that. So God the Father, his purpose is in his name or his designation. The father is the progenitor or the creator. He's the provider. When we think of father, it's not just a word, but his purpose is built into that. What does a father do? He cares for. He watches over. He, he you know, he, he brought forth life. And that's who he is. And it's important that we understand that. See, you know, one of the things that, that we grapple with as Christians today, and what I think what is happening is there's this divide and conquer kind of thing going on. And, because, and that's just how the enemy usually works, is he brings confusion by dividing our thinking. But we know that when we're divided in our thinking, that, then we're more easily conquered. 
So if we can take the concept of the Father out of our thinking, there's a whole aspect of how we relate to God that's just pulled away. It diminishes who God is. Okay, It diminishes in how we respond to God. So his, being the creator is absolutely critical. Creationism, intelligent design, critical. When I see Christians just saying, well, I don't know how God, you know, how God did all this. You know, I don't even know if he even did it. Maybe there was just scientific, and I see young people kind of falling like flies as they grapple with science. And I, and I, and I, and I constantly just push them. I push them into the universe. I shove them into the universe. I love doing that because they'll say, look, so this had to be something really big to make all that. Is that right? Well, yeah. That's called God, by the way. He's really big. He's huge. He's to create all that you see. And the further they go into the universe, just makes our God bigger than we could have ever imagined. It makes sense. That impossibilities were made by a God that we can't understand. Come on, human beings. That's who a God is. He's to be given credit for his work, for our blessing and our enjoyment. God the Father wanted to be reconciled with us because we know of the fall. That's what a father does. A father wants to be reconciled with his son. Jesus showed that, didn't he? When he said, can I show you a picture of my dad? There was this young man. We all know the story, the prodigal son. He runs away, he spends all his money. He, he lives in sin, bad sin, hanging out with prostitutes, spends his wealth, everything. Then he says, well, at least at my dad's house I can eat the pig's food, like I'm eating here. Of course, he wouldn't have had pigs, but you know what I'm saying. I would have eaten the trash, the cast off. So I would have get, at least I'd be able to hang out with the servants. That wasn't the father's heart. The father said, you're my son. I'm excited about being reconciled with you. And he, he, he kills the fattened calf and has a party. That's your father. That's our heavenly father. He wants, he yearns to be in relationship with us. So much so that he sent his son. We'll get to that in a second. But it's important that we see his heart. Just as a good, as a loving father would ever want to be with his children. That's your dad in heaven. He's not a deadbeat dad. He's not an unfeeling or so busy that he doesn't take time out to be with us, to listen to us. And all things fatherly, he's the best. He's perfect. I mean, just let that float out there just for a minute. Because in our relationships, we, we didn't always have the perfect dad, did we? My dad passed away a year ago. And that's when, when your dad passes away or you begin to consider these kind of things, you, you take things in context. You begin to look back at your life and you wonder, you know, and I, and I remember, you know, it came to the forefront among some family, family members just how bad of a dad he was. But then I thought, you know what? At least I had one. And he was never supposed to be perfect anyway. He's just a template. <laughs> I hate to put it that way, but he's just supposed to, he's a starter pack. He's the starter man to get me connected to that one because he's the real father. He is the one that is the perfect father. Being in a relationship with a heavenly father unlocks certain areas of confidence and courage in human beings. So critical. I wish I could do a whole series on this because I believe this with all my heart, especially for men. I see a lot of young men missing certain critical pieces in their soul structure because 
of the lack of fatherly influence. Don't feel bad about that. Because right now, we're all going back, going back to my dad, you know, going through and thinking about that. Look, like I said, that's the beauty of this, is that we've got a perfectly heavenly father who will always be there. He's always available. He's ready to pour into you. He's ready to give you confidence and courage. But if we don't relate to him as a heavenly father, we're missing it. We're forfeiting things that we could have in our understanding of who God is. I hope you're following me here. I'm taking you down the emotional road here a little bit, but it's important that you do because it's, it, there is something beautiful, something rich, something deep. I remember when I first came to my, in, into my relationship with God and I was on my knees and I remember beginning to pray and I began to relate to him that way. In many ways, my earthly dad began to diminish in huge ways. Oh, I still love my dad. I still... You know, when he would tell me things, his, my, his dad-isms, I would compare him to the Word of God. And I'd like, oh man, I love you, Dad, but kind of don't know what you're talking about. And you know what? That's okay. Because I knew he needed to know his Heavenly Father, too. It all began to expand for me. Probably expanded way too soon for me at the age of 16, 17 years old, but God knew. God knew. To the point where I was, you know, I'm pastoring my mother now. I mean, she was, you know, I'm pastoring her. And that's okay. That's cool. But why? Because I've connected to my heavenly father, her heavenly father. Kind of interesting, isn't it? When the father says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, it's final. When the father says, I'll give you the power, I will give you strength, we can believe it. Our relationship with the son, of course, Jesus Brings us back to a what? A relationship with the Father. That's what all Jesus was doing. He's saying, look, I just want you to know I'm not the Father. I'm going to tell you who he is. I'm going to describe my relationship. He talks about his relationship with his Father all the time. Why? Because he is all about getting us to connect to his daddy too. Now, Jesus has a very special relationship as well. You're going to get to that. But our fatherly relationship, oh man, so important to our understanding of who God is and how we relate to him. There is potential dysfunction when it comes to our relationship with God. Not understanding God as our father can cause us to lack a clear fear of the Lord, of God, who is above all things. When I see at times, I'm going to say this across the line, but when I see people lacking a real fear of God, it usually comes down to that they're very kind of hippie-like in love with Jesus. And they don't understand the Father and who he really is above, big, dwelling on a mountain of fire, unapproachable light. See, Moses, <laughs> he says, Moses starts walking up to the Father he says, take off your shoes. You're walking on holy ground. Can you imagine if we walked into on a Sunday morning and a voice opened up and said, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. You're getting ready to come into the presence of God. Kind of changes the way you look at worship. Kind of changes the way you look at your relationship with God. There is this sense of... God dwelling in the, in the heaviness. Paul, I mean, Moses going up to the mountain and coming back and his face is, is just 
bright. His, his beard and his hair, is, it, he didn't put any sun in it. It was, it was the Holy Spirit. It was the presence of God that, that, that just burned, radiated into him. When he came down, they're like, whoa. You know? There is an aspect of the fear of the Lord and who he is in, all his, in, in his bigness that, that causes us to bend the knee. It causes us to fall on our face. And I think if we don't have that aspect of who God is, we're missing the critical part of even understanding what worship is all about. You know? We can then, what I would think is diminish who God is to just one aspect of how he's been revealed to us. And you're going to get this. I mean, so hang with me. This all comes together. So there, it can be a potential dysfunction when it comes to how we relate to God. Knowing the Father in this way creates a sense of awe. Familiarity and a casual approach comes from our relationship from the other persons. But the fear of the Lord comes from the full understanding of the Father. Jesus defers. So Jesus himself does not try to supersede the Father's position. Isn't that interesting? It says in Philippians, it tells us that you know, being equal with God was something that was, he did not grasp. He did not shove that into the faces of people. He didn't come up and say, well, look, man, I'm God. So you need to get out of the way. You need to do what I tell you to do. You're not going to crucify me. I'm going to crucify you. You think you're going to punish me? Ain't going to happen. That's not what he did. He did not take a position. He, he, even though he was God, he came as a humble servant, which was prophesied in the book of Jeremiah and Isaiah, and we, we, we know that that's how he was going to come, which is why the Jews should have, should have seen him coming, but they didn't. But awe, awe is, is, is where the Father dwells. And so also I was going to say, is, is Jesus the first? He also says, because they asked him, he said, Jesus, well, now that we know that you're God, can you tell us what's getting ready to happen? Can you tell us about the future? And he goes, uh, no. That is with who? The Father. Only the Father knows the times and the dates and how this is all going to happen. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Once again, antinomy, brain starting to melt. You're God and know all things, all present, all everywhere. You know what I mean? Yet, there is that sense that in your personality, your subsistence, who you exist as and how, and how you've revealed yourself to us, there's a certain part that you said, no, that's, that's reserved for the Father. Reserved for him. Interesting. So it's probably pretty important that we connect to him as well. I think so. All things are known by the Father. All things are known. That divine providence all wrapped up in him. Most people have a small view of God, that he's inept, scientifically discredited, old school, and too demanding and controlling. He's the all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere-present God. And yet we've diminished him to a guy that's no longer relevant. Or that we think that Jesus came and he, just said, and he goes, hey, Pops, I got this from here. You just stay right up there in heaven. Take it from here. The people need, they need love. Because all you need is love. I mean, that's the way the song goes. The Father, and that the Father was, no, man, all they need is fire. I just need to scare the mess out of them and they'll, they'll obey. Somewhere there's some balance in there. We need to get a hold of it. 
Finally, people who are legalist, I'm going to talk about the other side, do not make very good friends. Well, let me back up. If, if you only have a relationship with the Father, two things are true. Because now I want to look at it and to say, because sometimes we can just only focus on the forgot Father and we don't, we don't think about the other two persons. And if only only have a relationship with the Father, or at least we attempt to, then legalism begins to grow. And two things are true. You do not know God, but fully but follow his commands without real relationship. That is, is an amazing thing. Rules without relationship produces rebellion. Legalism initially, but it devolves into a, a, a rebellion. Because legalism does not bring life especially as parents. If we try to only show God the Father, we just try to scare our kids into doing what is right. It does not produce a heart to follow. It does not. So, so much more to talk about on that, but we don't have time. Finally, people who are legalists do not make very good friends. When we talk about this whole relationship thing, no one wants to hang with someone who reminds them of their sin and their failures all the time. Up, up, up. I mean, that's no fun. But a person who just says, look, you are God's servant, and with him you stand or fall. I'm not your, I'm not your dad. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not Jesus. I'm not the one here to convict you. I'm here to, to help you, to serve you, and I'm here to, 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 to help you maybe sort through some things in your life, but I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to fruit inspect. I'm not here you know, to try to punish you, which is why churches, when they sometimes when they kind of fall into that try to the punishment thing, it's just like, uh, now there's places for discipline when there's overt and a desire to try to, to, to tear down or hurt or wound or, or disrupt, and then sometimes you have to do that. But. Anyway, judgment undergirds most of what is communicated when a person only has a relationship with the Father, or as I said, which is kind of deceptive because they don't really, they don't really, they just think they do. And Jesus ran into that crowd. And he says, you guys think you're following the Father, but really your Father's the devil. Because that's what happens. When you just try to follow the Father and his rules, you'll never get there. Paul said that. Why are you, why, why are you trying to approach the Father with rules? Didn't you used to do that? And Jesus came and said, you don't have to do that anymore. I'm going to die for your sins. I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, you know, fulfill the covenant on your behalf. And Paul's rebuking the fire out of those Colossians and Galatians, saying, why are you trying to earn it by works now? Going back to just having a relationship with the Father. Balance key. Let's talk about God the Son. In Colossians chapter 1, 13 through 23, you can read about how Paul explains Jesus being the express image of God the Father. That Jesus came, that's why who Jesus is is so revolutionary. It's why we have Christianity. It, is, it, it was the, the full expression of the heart of God. He was obedient to the Father's plan, and it was the Father's plan. Jesus is special because he comes to physically give himself for us to be restored back to the Daddy. So that, that's key for us to understand. Why did Jesus obey the Father so that we would have be restored and are reconciled, as it, as it talks about in Corinthians, reconciled to back to the Father? It's important that we get that. Important that we get it. Now, right now we're just, 
it's not semantics at all. We're talking theology here. I mean, we're talking, we're talking what we're really shooting for here. But on an emotional level, I really want to challenge you. I really want to challenge you. Because if your relationship with God is, is, is not burgeoning, it's not growing into those, those aspects, I really want to challenge you during this time, especially today, to grow in your heart, to yearn for it. Because you know what the beauty is? Is what Jesus did on the cross made it every bit of it possible. All God wants in us is a yearning. The moment my kid says, Daddy, can I spend some time with you? My heart melts. I'll climb up on my lap, son. That's what our father, he's there, he's ready. All we have to do is say, Father, can, can I spend some time with you? Climb up in my lap. I'm here. I'm waiting. I'm ready. You don't have to have anything because he's everywhere present. Anywhere we need, wherever we are, we can have that. Jesus said that my father and I are one. He made that pretty clear. Jesus said, if you have seen me or know me, you have seen and know the father. He made that really clear. Because they're like, well, show us the Father, and then we'll believe. Ah. No, 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 we're, 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 we're changing this thing. We're expanding your understanding. And as to why, I'll do my best to give you some ideas. Ultimately, I, I can't, but. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is because they are one in character, one in essence or subsistence. The Son acts just like the Dad just like the dad. Now that is pretty key and clear. And, and as Christians, as Christians, why it's so important, there is no separation. Jesus lived out. So when we looked at Jesus and watched how he lived, how he spoke, and we just go, oh, that absolutely expands our understanding of the Father, that before all we saw was disciplinarian, all we saw was living in unapproachable light, all we saw was do this or die now has a bunch of emotion, has a bunch of love, has a bunch of heart. And, 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 and Jesus said, look, you guys don't understand who your heavenly father is, but I'm here to show you. I, God was so like, man, this is not working out. I'm going to have to send my son. They got to see me. They got to touch me. And John said that. John said, that, <laughs> the one that we held, the one that we touched, the one we talked to, the express image of the father heart. I mean, it was all there. His goal, I want you to see that. It's important that we, we kind of section off of, of focus here today. That it was for our connection, our relational understanding of who God is that Jesus was sent. Part of it. Part of it. What a mystery is hidden in the Father. No, no, let me read this. What is mysteriously hidden in the Father can therefore be seen in the Son. The Father could not be approached without destruction. The Son allows us to come boldly before his throne of grace. The people who would have turned into dust by trying to run up to the Father are now can run up full of leprosy, full of sin. Despicable people. Come right up to the, the, the God himself and say, have mercy upon me. And Jesus stopped the whole program and said, I'm going to minister to this one. Remember the woman with the issue of blood, tugging on Jesus. She's healed. He stops. Has this conversation. The woman at, at the well, the Samaritan woman, over and over and over again. The woman caught in adultery. Interesting. 
that we see glimpses of the Father's heart coming through the Son, and it, and it, and it fulfills our understanding of God. We go, ah, that's the way he thinks? That's the way he's going to respond to me? When I come to him and I'm full of sin and I've got the, you know, I'm all tied up in the wait-a-minute vines of life, he's going to cut them loose. He's going to forgive us. He's going to heal us just like he did them. Jesus is, as John described, you know, the one he touched, we held, we come to a love as an embodied person. This is the miracle and the power of what God did. He came down, he reached out, he pro- approached us full of mercy and truth. Jesus immediately began to feed and care for his people, whether they would follow him or not. Another, at, another part of the heart of God that we need to get. Jesus did not just, did not just minister to the deserving. You know, we think we were just at a conference and Michael was talking about M- Mother Teresa and how she was just an amazing expression of the heart of God. She got a hold of something. And that was, this is what Jesus would be doing. Ministering even to the people who may never choose him. And, and that's what, it, see, isn't that what mercy really should look like? I mean, because it's not mercy unless it's given to, to even someone who's undeserving. Think about it. Because if mercy is only given to one who's deserving, it's not mercy anymore. So he just gave it. He just gave it freely. That's a generosity thing that, man, I tell you, I think Christians, we need to learn. I think we need to learn it. Because I think we all, are, we all think about our lives, our marriages, our relationships with people with this kind of, well, I'm going to, this is a give and take thing, man. I'm only going to give you what I think you deserve or what you've given me. And when marriages devolve to that, oh, that's a mess. But when we get the heart of God and we let that into our relationships, man, do you see what can happen there? Then I start looking not as people as in the way, but as to say, I love you, I don't know who you are. But you know what? You're a human being. And I know my father loves the mess out of you. And if he loves the mess out of you, then I need to. Now, there, of course, there's, there's, there's balances in that, of course, but right? And we'll find that about the Holy Spirit. But anyway, there, there's that. once we get to know who God is, what he did, we're watching as his children. Oh, that's what we do. This is what Christianity looks like. This is what love looks like. This is what mercy looks like. That's what we go and do. And it absolutely changes our relationships big time. So Jesus began to immediately feed and care for his people, whether they would follow him or not. Love for humanity flowed in healing, teaching, and encouraging, and rebuking. Jesus came to fulfill the law so that we're no longer condemned. We're restored in our relationship with the Father. We're given uh, a human being to relate to, one who sticks closer than a brother, as the Bible says. Because we have no face with the Father. We just see light. Jesus, we see a man's face. And we can relate to that. You know? We can relate to that. There's, there is the image of Jesus being our advocate before the Father so that the Father's demands of holiness are met in Christ. We have this image as Jesus declaimed, uh, uh, illustrated it, as he's going to forever stand before the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. That's pretty cool because what we see there is the chain of command. We do see the Father not ever giving up on who the Father is 
And that is always in perfection. Always dwelling in inapproachable light. But it's Jesus who says, Father, I died for them so that they can come. And the Father said, done. See, it doesn't change. Sometimes our image of heaven is just Jesus saying, hey, man, I'm glad you made it. You were good enough. And now enter in. Have a good time. It's one big party in heaven all the time. No, 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 no. Man, my image, what, what I'm writing in my book is, man, heaven, I don't know, the first millennia is us just responding to that. Just the inapproachable light. And just every dendrite in our brain being exploded by who God is. Take us that long just to say, wow. Uh, the advocate, talking and connecting to Jesus in prayer and through his teachings is the foundation of what being a Christian is and having the mind of Christ. See, to grow in our relationship with the Father, understanding who God is, it has to come through the door of a personal relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I mean, that, and when I talk about that, that should be just like, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I talk to him, I love him, he talks to me, I connect to him, uh, I hear his voice. I love him, I live for him, I'm going to see him. If you don't have that confidence, then at the end of the service, I'm going to give you a chance to change that. But talking to Jesus, re responding to his words, so critical. Jesus said in Revelation, I stand at the door and I knock. He's here. He's ready. How can he be here when he's there? Ah, opens right up the door to our next section here. So finishing on Jesus, God is, is, is Jesus is God. Jesus not, does not condemn us. He, again, he told the story of the prodigal son so that we could see the big picture. He gives us the right to use his name in prayer. And when we think of God, we see his face. So much more I could say about that, but I'm just giving you an overview. And why is that important to relationships? Because, it, again, it gives us a broader understanding of who God is, and Jesus taught us. Now, when we start, see, Jesus then came and said, look, <clears throat> you need one another. You have got to have one another. You can't say that you love me and hate your brother. That was his biggest message, right? When they asked him, what is, I mean, what's the law? What's, the, what's the, the pinnacle of the law? He said, you know, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your brother as yourself. If you don't get those, then you don't get any of it. So Jesus came to display it, exemplify it, to show it, to live it, and then to give us wonderful teaching and how to work it out in our lives. Okay, finally, God the Holy Spirit. You can read about him in Acts chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. Wow, this is where, I've got to be honest with you, this is where I think most Christians kind of stop. They get the Father, they get the Son, but they don't necessarily understand the Holy Spirit and his role in tying it all together. So I'm going to do my best to give this to you, but you know it's only going to whet your appetite. And, all, and, and we'll come back to this. But the Holy Spirit has always been here since the creation of the earth. Or at least has been here on several occasions in fullness because as you read through the Old Testament, what you find is the Holy Spirit came down upon someone, came down upon them, gave them strength, power, uh, gave them supernatural abilities, David, uh, on and on and on prophecy come upon them and all of a sudden a mighty word would come forth. 
But the Holy Spirit is sent to Christians as a direct indwelling presence of God himself. You know, those are just words, but they absolutely blow my mind. Because what, you know, you've heard me say this before, but man, we've got to get here. I got to get here. The Father lives in inapproachable light. The Son is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me so that I can relate to him. But he said, now I'm not going to leave you alone. I am going to be with you. I am going to indwell you. Whoa. I mean, to me, that's the complete icing on the cake. To me, the thought that God is going to, I don't have to just, you know, I don't have to just sit there and press through and just say, Father, please wake up, wake up, please hear me. When the Holy Spirit's right there, I'll have to say, Holy Spirit, he's like, yeah, what's up, Dave? Whoa, did you fall asleep? No, I've been here right here. Never fall asleep, never go away, right here. Does any of us have a relationship with, like, with a person like that? I mean, even Andrea has to fall asleep from time to time. Hey, honey. But in the early morning hours, when no one is awake and no one's moving and fear comes upon me or I'm struggling or I'm confused or I'm overwhelmed, Holy Spirit, yeah. Right here. What do you need, David? Well, I'm struggling. Okay, well, let's do something about it. I'm having a hard time remembering the promises. Got you covered. I'm here to remind you of all what Jesus said. I'm here to help you emotionally connect to God. I mean, i got to get back to my notes, right? This is going to get out of control. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit is sent to Christians as a direct indwelling of the presence of God himself. Consider what this really means. Jesus left, but the Holy Spirit was sent to every Christian to be filled, to be empowered, to be taught, to be directed, to be corrected, to be used and have access to the gifts that come from God himself. Oh man, we've been given the package. Gifts of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. We have, man, God was the Google search before there ever was a Google search. He had access to all knowledge before you could just say to Siri. I don't have my phone on me, but man, I can just ask Siri anything now. Hey Siri, yeah, what's up, David? You aren't God, honey. So stop trying to do that. Because, you know, there's a lot of questions you ask her. Hey, what's the meaning of life? And she's like, no clue, David. Actually, I've set her up. She calls me Pastor David. So she's got to be respectful. So I said, hey, seriously, she goes, what do you need, Pastor David? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, No, I'm not. Actually, I've got it set up that way. Don't I, honey? I do. I do. She's she's got to recognize, man. But anyway... (laughs) You work for me, you're going to call me by my title. You got it? Anyway, so, all right. But Jesus left, but the Holy Spirit was sent. Should we talk to the Holy Spirit? Because I had people come to me because we sang a song years ago. Father, we love you. We, you guys remember that one? We worship, we adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. Then you go unto the Son, sing the same thing. Then you got to the Holy Spirit. Spirit, we love you, we worship you, we adore you. I had people come up to me going, You're you're telling us to worship the Holy Spirit? God! Of course. He is God. And that is where I think Christianity just kind of... 
because we forget that the Holy Spirit has been sent. Doesn't it make sense that the enemy would try to take our understanding, the understand, the importance of our connection to the Holy Spirit, take that away, and then the rest could actually be pushed into religion, father into religion. Even Jesus has been pushed into religion. But what are you going to do with the Holy Spirit? Just forget about him. Oh, no, do not look at that man in the corner. Do not acknowledge that prompting, that stuff going on inside you, the Holy Spirit going, David, I'm in you, ready to work with you, ready to give you. I mean, how, how frustrated must the Holy Spirit when he's sitting there just literally like, like a plumber outside our house with all of the tools, and we're just in there trying to do what we're doing with a plunger. And he's out there saying, I, would, I can fix you up. Just invite me in. And the beauty is we don't have to pay anything. That's even better. <laughs> the Holy Spirit sent to be our helper. So I said, do we talk to the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. In what way? According to his purpose. The Holy Spirit sent to be our helper. His job is to remind us of, what the, of who the Father is and who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is, is, is there to help us connect us to God himself in a direct, powerful, intimate, ongoing, and interactive way. Is this your experience? It's time to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. If you go back to Acts chapter 2, you find that was the next phase. That's what Jesus was saying. He's ushering in the age of the Holy Spirit into saying he's not going to just be an image you carve and place on his things. No, he's going to come down. He's going to be in you. There is no symbology. There is no image because he is a person who will indwell you. I believe that many teachers, our leaders in, in churches tend to lead people to the water, but they don't let them drink. They talk about the Holy Spirit, but they do not encourage them to interact with the Holy Spirit and to tap into what he's wanting us to enjoy, to, to, to um, access. You know, somebody the other day I was talking to, and they just said, you know, I was talking with this person, and this thought popped into my mind, and I shared it with him, and he goes, how did you know that? And I smiled at him. I said, do you know what that is? They're like, well, is God speaking to me? I said, yes, yes, yes. But I said, but that's the Holy Spirit. It's called the word of knowledge, honey. It's right there in the Bible. You can read all about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. That God wants to give us words of knowledge. Where, where knowledge could not be have humanly, you can get. Isn't that what Dr. Choi was telling us? I'm sure you've done it as well, Dr. Brian, where you just say, I have no idea what's going on here. Holy Spirit, show me. What was it? He gave him the, the name of a disease. Here's a genius guy who didn't know. The Holy Spirit was ready to fill it in. I just think that's so cool, and it can be our experience every single day. How can anybody describe a book they've never read or a relationship they've never had? I don't blame them, but I do feel badly for them. When, when we talk about a relationship with God that does not include the Holy Spirit, then you only got part of it. It's like reading the book, man. Hey, man, that was a great book. Well, what did you think of the ending? Ending? Yeah, how the story ended. I lost the last few pages. That's the way a lot of us are living. So much more to close us all up. God wants us to speak to, God wants to, speak to us daily. He wants an intimate moment-to-moment -moment connection. A person 
who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who quickly grows in love for people regardless of the background, color, status, etc. It's through the Holy Spirit that we really grow in what is godly agape love. He's there to lead us into these hard things with grace, with truth. Holy Spirit teaches us what loving people and loving God really entails, what it means. Too many of us just talk about it if we're talking about it at all. The Holy Spirit is going to teach us how to have a relational connection with the Father and with the Son. He's your therapist. He's your counselor. He's the one you can just let it all out, hang out on. He's the one where they'll come and he'll do this for you in very wonderful, powerful ways. Amen? Well, I'm over my time. Let's stand up this morning. I need to pray for you. Need to pray for us. So let's do two quick things here. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. And as soon as I'm done praying, if I could, if I could have a prayer, leaders and teams, please come to the front. But Lord, before we're finished here, we all have a relationship with the Father, whether we like it or not. But not all of us have a relationship with the Son. And yet it's completely offered. He came freely, full of grace and truth, a gift to mankind. If you're in this room today, and if you're not certain that if you died tonight, because you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that can be made clear right now by just asking him to come, to be your Savior to accept the gift. If, if that's you, raise your hand up. I want to pray for you. You want to give your life to Christ today. Anyone in this room? Amen. It means we're all believers. Lord, then, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, forgive us for ignoring you. Forgive us for not inviting you to the party. But the truth is you're here. The truth is the moment we give our life to you, you're ready you're there inside us. But Lord, what we learned is that we can be baptized. We can be overflowed. We can, be, we can have the Holy Spirit in abundance. Enough for us and a whole lot more to share. Like water being poured into a pitcher that just keeps overflowing. Wow. So all across this room right now, if this is your heart, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Fill us. Fill us with the, the, the ancient wisdom of God. Fill us with the intimacy and the understanding. Help us tap into the gifts that, and the good works that you've prepared for in advance for us to do. Help us to melt those, those things in our soul that hold us back be, from, being, be, from being the kind of lovers of humans and be, of, of people that we could be. Teach us, train us, walk us, counsel us, love us, forgive us. Holy Spirit, come right now in every heart, in every mind. Lord, forgive us for, for us relegating you just to a corner of our soul. But Holy Spirit, you want to have every corner, every part, every little nook and cranny. We invite you to come now. If that's what you want, ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill my mind. Fill my soul. My mind, my will, my emotions. Fill me. Because I love you, Jesus. And you said I'm sending him. 
And Holy Spirit, you're here. We ask you to come and help us now. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen.